0: Welcome to Investing Insights, partnered by Wright Property Group. This is your host, Phil Tarrant. i oh, good, everyone. How are you going? Uh, pleasure to be here for uh, uh, this installment uh, of Investing Insights with the Wright Property Group. I have in the studio with me my regular co hosts, Victor Kumar and Steve Waters, their directors at Wright Property Group. Gentlemen, how are you going? Good morning. How are you? Good, Phil. Victor. How are you going in particular?
1: I'm going well. I'm not liking the way you're looking at me right now. <laughs>
0: well, he's actually got his uh just for our, our listeners a little little he's smile noticed. comes across his he's he's on his back foot. He's in fighting position. But no, that was a genuine sort of how are you going? You know, it's uh it's uh, we're coming up to the end of the year. It's uh you know it's been a good series, a good good session of uh, investing insights. So I feel like I've learned a lot, and I always enjoy sort of spending time with you guys to to talk about property and investing. It was really just a how are you getting on, mate.
1: Right, right. I've just got my guard up, mate. You have? That's all. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and this is interesting because uh, when you start talking about property, people's psychology sometimes gets a bit weird. Uh,
1: oh, was, great segue. I uh, know. No,
0: it's all right, isn't it? But, um, no. I was, uh, I was driving in today uh, into work, Victor, and um, I heard a thing on the radio and it caught my attention. Uh, it said that new car sales are down 5%. And uh, the person that was given the commentary spoke about it's because people are worried about their wealth and their properties. So I sort of went, oh, okay, that's pretty interesting. So people aren't refinancing their homes to take a big chunk of cash to buy a new car. Instead they're sitting there. So there's a little bit of concern in the market right now, I think. And, you know, that was just one of the many touch points I thought, which really showed this different cycle of 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 people's attitude towards security and longevity and, and wealth, um, wealth in their properties. So it sort of sparked my attention actually. Have chat about this sort of headspace people are in right now and um, you guys every single day are, are dealing with property investors. Are they, Victor, sort of concerned, fearful at the moment, or is there all the good ones sort of just getting on with things?
1: Look, the good ones are just simply getting on with things. But people that are just listening and, like I said previously, uh, invest via media, they're running scared Mm. uh, because there's a lot of negative sentiment in the media. But we need to remember this is part of the cycle. As we come to a peak, it does flatten out uh, and people do um, stop investing if, if if they're believing in what's in the media. Uh, but more importantly, uh, it has a flow-on effect of uh, people spending less money because they're not sure of what's you know, what's uh, in the future, uh, and they find that um, let's, let's sit back and, and wait. Especially now, we've got the news of, uh, obviously, the, the platform that uh, the political parties are using, which is negative gearing, so that's going to have an impact as well. Mm. Uh, so it all, all compounds in. But the reality of it is that for those that have seen this before, in other words, have invested over more than one property cycle, this is business as usual. All we need to do is just simply adjust our strategy to suit the market uh, and suit the market phase that we've got uh, and uh, realign what we're buying and where we're buying.
0: So we talk about this point in the cycle we are, Stephen, you're probably going to jump into this. Where, where, what is this cycle and where, where are we in this cycle right now? Well, it depends, I think, where you're talking about because yeah. you know, as everybody says, Australia is not one
2: real estate market. Uh, there's multiple markets uh, across all different states and and areas and even suburbs, uh, but I agree with Victor. It, it's just business. It's business mm. as usual for the investor. You know those that have, as you say, have seen this multiple times. It's nothing new to us, and it's just about adjusting the strategy slightly. And to do that, you need to have first employed or executed a strategy that is able to be adjusted with these little anomalies in the markets and cash flow positions and what have you. Those that perhaps have cornered themselves into a strategy where there is no flexibility are going to see some problems.
1: Mm. Well, if you look at uh, even during the GFC where the noise in the media was a lot louder than what it is right now, uh, a lot of people stopped buying because they were fearful. Uh, And they were really fearful because they couldn't see any clarity in what they were trying to achieve. Whereas if you adjust it uh, in terms of the market and still have that clarity in what you're trying to achieve, the people that actually bought during the GFC and and immediately post-GFC they made a lot of money based on the growth that they had in the property, and certainly the cash flow, because the cash flow was a lot higher back then in terms of tiered against the purchase price as well.
2: Yeah, and but to be able to do that, admittedly, they had to
0: have their own house in order Correct. to be able to execute Correct. as well. Yeah. yeah. So we talk about the psychology of investing. See, so this is. Pretty much what goes, the attitudes, behaviors, habits that you have as an investor, and how you can sort of program in your own headspace to be a better property investor. And a word that both of you just spoke about then was, was clarity. Uh, clarity in your goals, clarity in your strategy, clarity in how you operate your portfolio. Um, for a lot of people, and, and being experienced investors yourself, but working with with experienced investors, what's the habits of the, of, of those which really crystallise uh, their goals and their strategies and have a really good attitude towards property investment, particularly in tough markets? They start as they mean to continue and, and I think by that I mean
2: that they are always involved and we've spoken about that many times. You, mm. It's not a passive vehicle uh, and if you do approach it with a passive uh, mindset, it's going to run away on you and, and you're going to be behind the eight ball, especially as we come into times where perhaps lending's a little tighter, well it is perhaps the the banking system is being reviewed the market in sydney and melbourne has contracted somewhat Uh, those that are actively involved are able to take care or, or take advantage of opportunities that present themselves so i think it's just a matter of being involved
0: all the time so is it an understanding and appreciation as an investor that this is just the way it is don't allow any noise in the marketplace or or media driven sentiment shifts to cloud your approach to property investing is that what you're saying Not
2: that it clouds the approach because consumer sentiment and shifts in trends and what have you Mm -hmm. do have a direct result on property prices somewhat. Those that are always going to invest are always going to invest. And if property's their vehicle, they'll continue to use it with some, you know, a little bit of diversification to be fair. But I think it's just, um, once again, it's about having every, crossing the T's, dotting the I's, and having everything in order because whilst everybody needs a roof over their head and every, you know, that's been a well worn cliche, it's the truth.
0: You know, accommodation is one of those biggest priority priorities for all of us. What does it mean, Victor, to have your your house in order to cross the dot the I's and cross the T's? What, what does that actually mean to capitalize on this marketplace? And that's what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We are. Uh, the first thing we need to look at is is what's panning out in the finance market. So how can we look after our borrowing capacity? Because if we're not able to borrow money, obviously it slows our investing down pretty significantly. So we're looking at simple things such as uh, not not getting to this consumer loans, such as credit cards or personal loans. Now's not probably the right time to buy or upgrade your car or the higher purchase uh, or yeah. the higher purchase. Absolutely, yeah. uh, you know the, the greatest scourge I think in terms of finance is the pay later. It's uh, even like this yeah. after this after the pay, after pay thing now. Yeah, like yeah, a, and yeah.
0: people are like uh, loving it, but essentially it's, it's huge. It's 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 yeah. massive, but it's debt right and it's probably, it's not going to look good against a, a potential application for a loan, right? No. Is, that, is that appearing yet after pay it, it, stuff? It yeah? is, it yeah. is. Uh,
1: and and um, what we're finding with a lot of our clients is that, and, and uh, also through brokers, is that the, the lenders are actually querying small transactions uh, such as even a fifty dollars purchase at Grace Brothers or, or, or one of the
2: Grace one Brothers. Do the, they even exist anymore? Yeah, yeah, well, it's a great do, shop. Yeah. Where you leave Grace Brothers alone. It's called Meyer.
0: <laughs> it's called Meyer. <laughs> yeah, they're doing well.
2: Yeah. And and the reason reason
1: why why they're querying that is that most of these stores have store cards that you can they can purchase right. Mm. So and and they are essentially um, branded credit cards. So they're actually querying all of these things. So you have to be mindful of not taking on these offers of interest-free periods and and whatnot, especially getting into Christmas now. uh, I think we need to be really vigilant about it. Uh, And then the other thing that we need to be looking at is obviously don't keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. So we need to obviously change how we're investing, where we're investing, and what level we're buying it. So if it is that we can only qualify for, uh, say a loan of two hundred and fifty thousand. Maybe it is time to sit it out uh, and, and until the finance eases out, because this has this has gone a whole cycle. Just post GFC, finance was just as tight as it is right now, except there was different levers being pulled uh, in terms of interest rates and so forth. Right, uh, whereas right now it's more the qualification uh, of the loan that they're looking at in terms of uh, you know how they look at your borrowing capacity in terms of the household um, uh, expenditure measure, the HEM, where previously the bank used to look at it and say, okay, you know what, you're nominating a figure that is in line with with HEM. Now, most lenders are looking at your actual expenditure to the point where uh, I had um, one of my uh, friends who got his loan knocked back because the credit officer actually added up all of his credit card expenditure and said, actually, now you're spending this much not what you've declared on the uh, on the application itself,
2: but is that a bad thing? Like at least for oh, your I friend, I suppose. I think, so, so. But yeah, I think, you know, from a psychological point of view, this is creating better habits. Absolutely, it is for the investor. Absolutely. So they're not taking the credit cards; they're not spent; they're not using them. Uh, and yeah, we all know that mm. you know, credit cards is is just another form of slavery. Really, mm. you shouldn't be spending what you already don't don't have. And if you're going to approach investing, as a business, well, you're always looking at the bottom line and you're looking at your cash flow scenarios uh,
0: and you're certainly not taking on 24% borrowed money mm-hmm. just to to get by. Yeah, well, but- it's okay if you clear your credit card at the end of the month, but this is the business that credit card providers are in, that you don't clear your money. You Odds it are, you it. Yeah. Yeah. and you won't. Yeah. I always clear mine, every, every payday. Yeah, I, don't don't have, I don't
2: have one. I refuse to have one. You don't have a credit card? I don't have a credit card.
0: I use oh. a debit visa, but yeah. I don't have a
2: credit uh, a credit card. But even still, even if you do clear yours out and you mm. scrape it clean at the end of the month, the banks are still looking that as debt incurred. Yeah, because you can use it, and that affects the serviceability. So, from a borrowing point of view, yeah, maybe you've got to cancel a few credit
0: cards. Okay, well, let's use this in the 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 um, the five habits of highly successful property investors in this market. Number one, they have a true understanding of their. Exposure to debt outside of their their home loan, so credit cards, store cards, and they try and minimise their exposure as much as possible. That's a fair point. Number one. Yep. Number okay. one. What's number two? Cash flow management. Okay. So it's uh, having or well, knowing what your debt exposure is is one thing, but
2: being able to handle and manage your cash flow and forecast is equally as important. Okay. Victor, three. Certainly, the
1: investing strategy in itself. So. You know, not not just doing buy and hold. So in in markets like this, really, you need to be looking at it from two viewpoints. If you if you're buying say in Sydney and the market is absolutely slowing down, you need to change the property that you're buying to to something that you can manufacture the equity to protect your deposit. And the other side of it would be that maybe it is time to look at some different asset classes, such as uh, not just Housing land, maybe looking at um, uh, commercial as an as an example to offset what you've already got.
0: Okay, Steve, you got four for me. Number four. No, It's your turn. We're going around the table. Oh, are we now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, four. You'd be thinking about the future. I think just don't buy in today's market. I'd be looking to what you are buying in tomorrow's mm-hmm. market, and uh, that's what that's where my headspace is right now. And you know, I'm not proactively buying at the moment. I'm cashing up because I think there's some great opportunities coming online. So you need to understand based where those low are, based on my exposure. Correct. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I think the fifth one is to have the money before you need it. So, you know, yeah. free up all of your equity because the lending could become a lot tighter down the track. Mm. Certainly, uh, if I uh, draw my draw my experience back from the GFC, um, lenders were actually reducing the, the limits on the lines of credits. So if you have a large line of credit or lines of credit, uh, it may be worthwhile re-looking at how you're doing your banking. right? Mm. Do, you, do you change that into offset accounts? Uh, speak to your accountant, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, do you change it into offset accounts uh, so that the bank can't technically touch it because it's sitting in a savings account? Whereas um, as as lending gets tighter and funding gets more uh, scarcer for the banks, they're going to look into their books and say, okay, what money can I free up? And if you haven't been using, let's say you have a $500,000 line of credit. Mm. and you've only been using 30000 40000 of it, and the rest is just sitting there uh, not doing anything. From previous experience, the bank would reduce it to 30% of its limit because you're not using it, so they can free up that money to lend out again. And uh, I would say that we will start seeing some of this in the near future.
0: So we're talking about the psychology of investing, Steve, and we just went through some, some really good habits there of uh Uh, people in this particular market how they can excel in investing psychology is a lot of it's based around your attitude and and how your attitude changes based on the information you have or the feelings or sentiments that you get Um, people with a good attitude to investing to me would mean that irrespective of what's going on that they probably remain as positive as possible and look for the good rather than the bad do you see that a lot in in the people that you work with Uh, all the time yeah it
2: um especially perhaps yeah, you know, if I if I can use the the term sophisticated investors, so those that have been around for a couple of cycles, mm. yeah, you know, they they know what they know, and it, this is their, yeah, you know, this is their wealth vehicle, and so they know everything about it, and they're on top of their numbers and their forecasting and their balance sheet and what have you, so that all the noise and all the media, whether it be positive or negative, they still approach it in the same way, and that is finding the well located asset that's going to perform well over a number of years, and and that's actually a, a key point as well because mm. they're not looking at a short term fix, and the and the problem. Uh, that we see just generally speaking uh, with psychology is, is really around the Sydney and Melbourne market over the last five years where there's been such huge wins mm. that people that perhaps haven't been around for a while think that that's the, the new norm or that is the norm because they know no different. And so that when we see these contractions in price by somewhere between five to 20% uh, across the Sydney market, that that starts to play with their psyche. And mm. rather than... Uh, perhaps look at a long-term point of view and look at a 15, 20-year time frame, they're out. They just want to cash the loss or cash the win and get out and move on.
1: I think it's really important to understand that if you're looking at data in a small snapshot, it can be really deceiving, right? So when you say that the price has come back 20%, we should not ignore the fact that it's actually gone up 75% to begin with. Yeah, let's be real. So we've lost 20%. And if we haven't over leveraged, this is really good because you now gained pretty much 50% of what you've bought. Uh, Yes, you've given some back because it was 75 initially and you've given back 20-odd percent. So you've gained money. Uh, And a lot of these articles that are floating around, a lot of this commentary that's floating around just takes a blinkered approach to stats. Mm. So a good example of it, there was an article uh, I read recently where it said that the um, new home bills are down by 8% since the beginning of this year. But when you, when you look at it in that snapshot, that's actually true. But looking at it from a holistic point of view, we have some circa 237 new bills that are happening this year, which is 8% down from beginning of this year. So approvals are down by 8%. But last year we had 187. So there's still a, a huge upswing. And when you look at it from from the last eighteen years, it's the highest number of new bills that we've done.
2: It's a building boom. Yeah, hundred percent. Right. And the, and I think you're a hundred percent right. Is that the media tends to take a half truth or take a certain bit of data or a certain bit of information and not tell the whole story around it but mm-hmm. whatever's gonna sell sell it, the story it's, it's
0: a headline i even saw it last night when i was i was watching the news i think and i had a a promo for what's on tonight right so that was sunday till we're recording on a monday and um it said um it was like today tonight or one of those shows and it said that this house here in uh uh balmain it's mm. it, that markets are falling rapidly uh a year ago this house was sold for Say a million dollars, it's just resold today for nine hundred thousand dollars. It's down by a hundred thousand dollars. Markets are collapsing. You know, little did they know that over the last 10 years, property in Balmain has rocketed, <coughs> rocketed at mm. 100 plus percent growth, right? Mm. So, this is it. This is the attitude that you need to have. Just you know, choose your data sets yeah, that's right. correctly. because yeah. uh, you're just painting a picture of being a building boom right now rather than, mm. you know, yes, it's down a little bit from from earlier this year. So this is the headspace you need to get in. Mm. Um, and I think uh,
1: one of the things that we did consciously uh, as investors is we exited out of the Sydney market two years ago. Uh, and Three. Three years ago, mm. yeah. And, and the whole reason for doing that was to, to mitigate against this sliding back. The contraction, uh, yeah. the, the 20% odd. Uh, and now it is time as as markets change and the yields start going up and and the vendors become a lot more negotiable because there's less buyers in the market yeah. and what we call the giggle money goes out of the market. Uh, we are we are able to then jump back in and be very selective on the properties that we buy so that we're buying based on today's fundamentals not what used to work three years ago, Mm. Uh, buying today's fundamentals and buying the properties that will actually further our portfolio rather than uh, dragging it back. So we're not buying your million-dollar home that goes back to 900. We're buying the 900 that will go back up to million dollars as an example.
2: Yeah, and I think that's an important point because we did cop a lot of flack, say, Mm. three years ago when we exited the Sydney market, but it was for that very reason because there would be that small or large, depending on where mm. you are, contraction back to normality or back to the averages, so to speak. But you won't experience that unless you've experienced it. And by that I mean gone through several markets yep. or a dozen markets or whatever it may be because often this is history repeating itself. Yeah. If you just grasp differently. Exactly. And, yeah. and perhaps, yeah, the media reports it a little differently. Like it wasn't, what was it, 12 months ago the media were all about… Uh, properties booming. Yeah, properties booming and… Someone flicked the switch,
0: and well, whether you know bipolar opposite. Here we are. Well, I had a a good chat with um, Dr. Andrew Wilson the other day, who you, who you both know, and and he pretty much said to me what what you guys are saying that is this is just this is the market normality. There's nothing mm. abnormal about where we are right now. This is just the way it is, and get used to it and look look at how you can best capitalize on it. But he he said um, and I'm sort of paraphrasing this, but um, it's sort of it's the sort of the death of the hotspot. And it made me think about that, what you were just saying, Victor, that the right pra- places to invest is going to depend on who you are, what you're doing, yes. where you are in your, your your portfolio cycle, whether you're a new investor, whether you've got a big property. So <laughs> this whole hotspot idea is is, is largely redundant. What, what, what's your call on that? Look, one of the most
1: common questions we get asked is, which suburbs should I buy in mm. to make money? There is no one answer because for each person it is really different because it depends on the financial circumstances, depends on uh, how many properties they they own, how they derive their income. And then uh, once you've answered all of those questions and what you're trying to achieve, then then the question arises to which suburb and then which property in that suburb.
0: How do you work it out, though? There's so many different moving parts. Yeah, yeah. it is, it is. Yeah.
1: And 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 um, uh, the easiest way is to, again, as we began, get some clarity around what you're trying to achieve so yeah. that you're not just going out there buying a property. That's what most people do is they are investing by osmosis in the sense that they see and hear other people uh, invest in a particular area and they jump in. Whereas um, what we do is we sit down and we map out a plan to see what is going to look like in one year, two years, five years and 10 years in terms of the portfolio, in terms of the cash flow. Are there any life events that are about to happen? Are you going to have a change in your employment structure? Uh, And then we we reverse engineer to say this is what you need to buy right now based on a cash flow, based on the amount of capital that you've got and based on uh, what the bank's willing to lend you. And at what rate?
0: So what you're talking there is a big difference between a buyer's agent and I guess a property strategist. That's is right. That, yeah, okay. That's right. So that's that's the, the sophistication mm-hmm. of how it's an asset, but how it fits within your wider goals, your strategies, your mm-hmm. life, everything. And I think that's where a lot of people get a little bit confused, they actually go and buy a property rather than secure an asset that's going to help them achieve some long-term
1: That's cult. right. Property is just a vehicle, right? Mm. So we need clarity around what we're trying to achieve and, and using property as a vehicle. Uh, what a lot of people get wrong is once they bought one or two properties and they had a few wins, especially if you bought in Sydney and Melbourne in the last last couple of years, mm. uh, they think that it, it's repeatable and they continue doing the same. They haven't tacked and changed for where the market is, where the finance market is and indeed where the changing landscape for their own personal finances is because now they own two properties as an example and that has significantly changed their financial landscape from where they began. So we need to adjust it to that and then adjust it to the type of property uh, in terms of complementing the first two and also adjusting it for, in the case of Sydney, a, a, um, a weakening market. So we're starting to flatline and then looking at do we invest here? Do we do some land banking elsewhere? Or do we not invest at all for the for the immediate future?
0: So we're talking about the psychology of um, being a good property investor. And this is the stuff I think about all the time, that you guys are saying and, and the work you do with your clients. But let's talk about the psychology of the wider market. So, Steve, what's the headspace at the moment of, of agents in this market? And I guess I'll, I'll preface that because I always ask you guys this question, are you getting more calls from agents than you're calling agents, right? And that always gives you a bit of an idea of their headspace at the moment where the market sits. Are the agents starting to pick up the phone to you guys saying, hey, I've got a great off-market offer for you? Depends where. And
2: as we've talked about before, that's a really good indicator or barometer of, of that particular market. So Sydney agents are calling for sure. Okay. Uh, even those that we haven't spoke to in a couple of years. Are they friendly?
0: Are they Steve? How you going? Yeah, long time. Yeah. <laughs> it, um,
2: so that's that's quite the norm mm. uh, now. But the volume of calls is, is different in each you know, LGA.
0: Yeah, Brisbane that's local if, government area. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, Bri thank you, yeah. Brisbane. Uh, Brisbane quite the opposite. Yeah, you know, it's the agents don't call back. Well, they don't initiate the call. That's for sure. Mm. So it's a matter of us being. Yeah, relationship orientated, I suppose, and doing anything that it takes to to keep that relationship. Melbourne, they're starting to call. Okay, Adelaide, they don't call. We have to call uh, certain parts, of course. Uh, Canberra, pretty much the same thing. And where else is there? WA. Mm-hmm. So WA is it's, it's a mixed bag. One. Yeah, it's a mixed bag. There are depending where you are, right? It's yeah, a, very much. Yeah. Um, but they are a different type of agent as well, mm. as opposed to the east, east coast, a little bit perhaps some would say more relaxed or yeah, more relaxed, but um, certain parts of Perth in particular uh, are still buoyant. You know, this is quite, this flies in the opposite of what the data suggests. Mm. Uh, I saw Damien Collins, Rewa's new president, uh, give us some good data sets yeah. the other day, and you know, tre- it's trending upwards in terms of vacancy rates or downwards, I should say, but rents are going up. That doesn't mean it's a blanket approach because it is an average and it is a data set, but there mm. are certain little pockets there where days on market, you know, I would suggest, are probably lower than some areas of Sydney, and the, you know, the the flow of blood has stopped. So there's
0: there's green shoots there. Yeah, and we're talking about getting in the right headspace for investing, and and there are these different participants as part of the property ecosystem. You've got investors, us, buyers agents, you, you have real estate agents, you have property managers, you have all and sundry. Everyone's Works within his ecosystem and it finds its own way, but then you get all these different things thrown into it. And and one thing which is going to start headlining now that as an investor to get your your head straight and keep your, your psychology positive is potential federal election, which is going to be pulled early. You know, we've just gone yeah. through a weekend where uh, the Liberal Party's lost their Wentworth their seat. Wentworth yep. seat. We don't yet know exactly if that's going to be the case. There's a whole bunch of postal votes coming in and mm. there's still a lot of noise around it. But it looks like they've lost it, right, with, mm. uh, with the preference votes. Well, want to, well you, not yeah. that you want to hope so, but Phelps would want to hope so saying that she called it early. Yeah, you think so, right? Yeah. Um, but e- either way, there, there's going to be a lot of um, pressure on the government to call an earlier election if they've lost you know, a majority uh, parliament. So this is going to dominate headlines moving forward. Um, Victor, would it just... Know what's going on, but don't get too absorbed by it all. Would that be your recommendation?
1: Don't get too absorbed. I think yeah. uh, what what'll happen is it'll uh, you've got you've got a double whammy happening, right? So we're moving you're moving into the Christmas season, the silly season. Yep. Uh, so people get more into your office parties and all that, rather than uh, you know having enough time to invest in their own future. And also with all this rhetoric about your negative gearing and the platform that the you know the parties are using and mm-hmm. so forth, and and tinkering with capital gains tax as well. So it, it will uh, certainly stop quite a few investors that are not as clued up. And now more than ever, uh, you know, not, not giving myself a plug, but now more than ever, you should really get some professional advice and professional guidance to shut out the noise uh, and, and concentrate in the areas that, that uh, does make sense. Uh, but it also, what it'll do, it'll open up the market a little bit more for the investors because there's less people buying, so there'll be it'll tip back towards being a buyer's market and a mm. seller's market in most states. And let's be
2: clear, as an investor, that's what you want, isn't exactly. it? Exactly, you want to have the upper hand. Mm. So it just happens to be the, the Christmas period that we're entering, and the oh, and We've
0: landed some great deals around. You around have. Chrissy. Mm, you yeah, know, it's a, great, all time to it's a oh, great time to buy. It's great We love it, and
2: I think you know, going back to the earlier statement. From Andrew Wilson saying this is the new norm. It's actually not the new norm, it's the it old the norm. norm. Yeah. Yeah. It's the it's old norm, the norm that just brought back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And let's be let's be real here. Everything is else is normal. in fact, good. So we've got consumer confidence indexes up. We've got jobless rate that's down with five yeah. percent, five point three mm-hmm. month before or whatever yep. it was. Uh we've got green shoots of wages growth. Yep. Uh that's all good news. That's all good stories. It's uh and especially the Consumer Confidence Index, for me, that's a, that's a and we've talked about that before, mm-hmm. it's one of the things we look at within certain areas as to whether we should be investing there amongst a plethora
0: of other mm. factors, but it's, it's up. Well, people it's, are spending. I saw Jerry Harvey on the telly the other day, and he's talking about, yeah, yeah we're, we're still growing. People are still buying. Well, of course he is. Everything, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to store cars, obviously? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but
2: there's, there's just so much other good news out there. Yeah that um, people need to sort the wheat from the chaff and just not focus on the negative stuff, which is human nature, Yeah, uh, and
0: just go forward, business as usual. So, Victor, what are we trying to achieve with this particular conversation? We're talking about the the psychology of investing, so get yourself into the right zone to Mm. make the right decisions. How do we how do we do that? How do we get people to change their, their their perception or their paradigm right now? Or do you think some people aren't going to be able to change, and that's just the way it is? But the good ones will.
1: Yeah, the good ones will. Some some people that's the way they are wired, right? So if, if there's a lot of noise, they they get attracted more to the noise than the than the um, fundamentals. Yeah. Um, I think a little bit more of education and talking to the right people, people that have been through this multiple cycles, uh, to be able to give you pertinent. Um, advice and pertinent recommendation as to what to do in your portfolio, uh, whether it is to uh, not buy anymore or whether it is to change what you're buying. Or, dare I say, maybe sell down one or two to, to cash up and relook at different areas. So if it's gone through its peak uh, and you're seeing that the trend previously has been that it'll flatline for you know 10 years, as an example, Maybe it is time to offload that particular property and get into another growth area to, to continue, continue building your portfolio. Now, obviously, when you sell, they, you, you trigger a tax event, which is capital gains tax, and you lose the future growth potential. But if, if that's what your plan uh, is in terms of the bigger picture, Perhaps that's what you need to do, and then um, the the trick is to obviously use the loan portability. So in other words, don't discharge the loan. Use the loan portability to use a um, to buy a similar priced property in another growth area, and then ride that wave up.
2: And that may depend on the area as well. Mm. So if it's a perhaps a, a semi-regional area, depending yeah. on what state you're in and how they uh, what they call regional, it may be or it may have experienced humongous growth Mm. over the last three years and perhaps done three years sorry 10 years worth of growth in three Mm. that's an older house lower yield well it might pay dividends to actually cash that take the profit move it elsewhere or build a buff or whatever it may be but i think people really need to do the numbers if they're going to sell out of a major metro area like a sydney area or or, or a cbd because Mm. the the cost associated with getting out and then getting back in in the Mm. future uh, road. And, and
1: certainly certainly, talk with your accountant well before well you put it on market or anything yeah. like that mm-hmm. because it does have major tax consequences as well.
0: It, do, it does, and I think they're really good points um, to cash out and take some money off the table. There's nothing wrong with that no? if, it, if it suits your strategy and you're going to – look, you might use that money to go on a fa- family holiday and that's, uh, it's good for your personal enjoyment. That's cool. Um, but you want to be looking at where you can replace that to make sure you get the same growth out of it. I like think the big thing for me is, and if the listener
2: could really – Get the head around this is that money needs to be working for you all the time yeah. so if it's in your offset saving yourself mm-hmm. five percent it's working if it's sitting in a one percent savings account, it it's actually going backwards in mm-hmm. value if you've leveraged it to buy property shares or, or some other investment vehicle it's working for you
0: it should never be lazy because it is actually going backwards yeah and everyone's always going this all sounds really good guys you know i've got the right headspace i want to grow growing my portfolio yes we're moving to a buyer's market in some areas but what's going to happen with sydney and melbourne is what everyone's thinking right because these are our these are our major capital cities they're they're, they're global cities right you know we've gone through this a lot before on investing insights of the right property group and and go back and listen to all those different podcasts which look at the fundamentals of the city and melbourne markets and that's not saying other areas in in australia isn't worth investing in you know we 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 all invest in but that's the barometer but that's that's barometer and um on the telly again I don't really watch a lot of telly but it feels like I watched it last night I saw um, uh, maybe it was on the weekend uh, John McGuire coming out talking about the fundamentals of the city market and Mm. how uh, I can't remember what they called it but there's the belt of property from uh, Penrith, Liverpool uh, Campbelltown which is where all of our infrastructure is being spent out there. You've got, obviously, Badger's Creek out that way as well, but you just got to drive anywhere in Sydney right now and there's roadworks going on or there's train line's getting built. There's a lot happening right now. And we're in
2: the midst of an infrastructure boom.
0: And, and and that's not happening in this area where we're recording in, in North Sydney. That's happening out in the Western suburbs where I think a fifth of all mortgage holders uh, in Australia are. Which so, is an important fact that people tend to forget. It is. So, you know, let, let's talk about some specifics because I know uh, we have got to wind up, but uh, people are going to want this. Victor? You love the western suburbs. Uh, Absolutely, I um, do. When's it going to be time to start buying out there again? Or are you already doing it?
1: Look, I'm okay. already putting my feelers out. Uh, okay, I haven't bought, I haven't bought this year <laughs> yeah. uh, in, in the west. In fact, I haven't bought in the last two and a half years in okay. the western Sydney market. But certainly I'm putting the feelers out because I'm actually seeing- What does that mean though? putting your feelers uh, out? Getting back in the market and, okay. and making it making it uh, you know, second nature because I've been out of the market- in a substantial way for the last two and a half, three years mm. uh, and and small things change, right? You, you go down one street and, and you may not have noticed a group of townhouses that are there now, which changes the streetscape there and changes the uh, micro demographic in that that particular street. So we need to look at it from that that viewpoint. We also need to look at uh, what does it really mean in terms of the infrastructure and so that you can divorce yourself from from the, the media noise. In other words, uh, you know, a lot of the Property pundits going getting getting on the on the bandwagon and saying it's going to go up, it's going to go up. We're going to take a leaf out of the Perth market. Perth market, most of the pundits were saying since 2011 that it was going to go up, it's going to go up, right? But the fundamentals weren't there. Uh, I believe the fundamentals are here in 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 Sydney, but I don't think we've quite turned the corner in in the sense that it hasn't quite flattened out yet. In my opinion, mm. certainly. But how uh, do you
0: know? So do do you watch? prices. so certainly prices. Do, yeah. You benchmark against yep. other, okay.
1: So I, I do the equivalent of paper trading on properties mm. in itself. In so we follow properties through to, to settlement and see how many discounts they've had, how many inquiries they've had. Uh, so I earmark particular properties and then, and then follow it all the way through to, to settlement and then a tenancy as well, because it gives you a good gauge so that you're not just... Uh, looking at a property that was inflated to begin with, and they've discounted it to where market was, and then it sold. You need to actually see true discounting happening uh, in that sense. So that, real time, uh, not yeah, real not time, not data sets right.
0: three months old. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. And Steve, uh, Melbourne. It's a slightly different market than Sydney, but some, I think some, it's, some parallels. Yeah, I
2: think the the Sydney market certainly uh, started to contract well earlier than what Melbourne did. So I think Melbourne's still got a time mm-hmm. to go. Yeah pockets within pockets, some of the regional areas in Melbourne are still doing quite strongly. Yep. But just back to Sydney for a minute, I think, well, and Melbourne for that matter, any area, but especially in in um, Sydney and Melbourne, it's all good to say, well, I think the market is flattening out as an example. But what we always do, what everybody needs to do is actually look into those particular particular council areas and see how much construction is still underway because whilst the market may have flattened momentarily, there might be a heap of house and land or apartments or townhouses mm. that come onto the mm-hmm. market and it's almost like a a false dead cat bounce. And so the market, oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's solidified, it stop going backwards and then we get this second ru- rush of accommodation. So it's looking actually probably 12 months ahead in terms of construction and what have you to see what's going to be re- released as well as what sort of funnels – of population growth are being fed into the area so we is immigration still strong council areas change to play with the the numbers in terms of population growth and and areas what have you so there's a lot into it rather than well let's just sort of lick our finger and put it up in the air and see which way the wind's blowing from
1: and the only way to truly find this out is to be actually on the ground physically mm. and 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 uh, talk to the agents uh, go through the shopping centers look at you know look at the the sites that are being developed as to what what whether it's a hive of activity or whether it's actually slowing down the development sector is slowing down you can't get that off a desktop mm. you have to actually be physically on the ground
2: no and the market the i think initially or for us anyway that the initial purchases in a market that perhaps has reached bottom are usually around the renovation pieces yeah absolutely because we something that's already cosmetically challenged uh to a smaller buyer pool uh, and especially with today's lending in, uh, environment being so hard we can usually negotiate better so make the money on the way in more of mm-hmm. uh, and the renovation is just
0: there to accentuate its value so to speak so that's usually the the initial point okay I think we've done pretty well today. Uh, psychology of investing and how to be a good investor. Victor, can you summarise it for me in a couple of paragraphs? Paragraphs? Yes. I'll, a...
1: I'll write you a letter,
0: Phil. How's well, that? no, no, no. Come on. Uh, just, just in the market mm-hmm. today's market and tomorrow's market. How how can you actually get your head straight and do the right things?
1: Okay. The first most important thing is to cut out the noise. Yes. Yeah. Stop. Stop following these negative media stories and and look at the data in its entirety and, and see what truth it reveals rather than a small snippet of data being taken and then bandied around as being the truth uh, once you've done that then you can uh, look at what your borrowing capacity is your lending capacity and and adjust your portfolio accordingly and and you know don't don't be don't be shy to put your hand up and seek some expert help with people that have actually gone through it themselves, people that have been around for more than one property cycle.
0: And Steve, you've painted um, a good picture there with some numbers around sentiments and job growth, uh, wage growth, et cetera. Anything to add to that just to close with? Uh, I would say attack the
2: household budget, see what surplus income you can trap, um, because no matter how good or bad the market is doing, if you haven't got the surplus income to be able to invest, well, you just shouldn't be investing. Um, and get the house in order, I, w- I would imagine. Try to separate, as Victor said, perhaps the sensational news verse and fake news versus what's reality because there 's a bit of both. Um, and if you're in a, if you're in a position to invest because that's what you do, well then you should invest. And if you
0: can't sleep at night, then don't invest. Council, uh, gents, thanks for that. I really enjoy the chat, Victor. Um, if anyone wants more information about what you guys are doing, where do they go? Sure, go to our website,
1: rightpropertygroup.com.au, R I G H D, or um, like our Facebook page, uh, rightpropertygroup, and uh, you should get, um, get all the news there
2: is. And if you do want more education around what we're talking about on the website, there's over 150 different. Uh, yeah, blogs and, and vlogs, I think they call them is the new way to say it. Um, Video so, blogs. Yeah, yeah. and um, some educational pieces there. So it's
0: all there for free. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, we'll be back again uh, next time. Until then, bye-bye.
1: Thanks for listening to the Investing Insights Podcast. Thanks to Right Property Group. For more shows like this, check out the Smart
0: Property Investment Show Podcast Network now.